0: Here is a time that we tend to to go all in on stuff that's just by nature many times we mean it many times we don't follow through we have good intentions but even though we meant it we didn't quite get there with it and sometimes we just under the pressure of our culture telling us we need to be trying to commit to some new things we commit without meaning to uh, if you've got social media you probably see there are tons of folks who are all in with the the whole 30 diet. anybody seen that uh, out there on social media, the Whole30 Diet. I'm more of a whole meal diet guy myself, but that's what I'm committed to this year. I'm going eat whole meals. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I bet... And then that went over like a ton of rocks. But I bet the YMCA and Planet Fitness and all those sort of things are probably... Uh, Covered up uh, this morning, that's the term we use in Alabama, by the way, covered up when places place is really crowded, um, because they sold all those memberships, right, for the new year. And if everybody shows up, they're in trouble, because they don't have enough of the elliptical machines and things like that to keep everybody happy. But they know that most people aren't going to make it past the first two or three weeks. But we're all in, right? And then we kind of we kind of struggle with it. Maybe this year you've already committed to losing something like 20 pounds, and, 2018, that's a big one they right? Diet losing weight. Maybe you've only got 25 to go here on... Uh, some of y'all think about that, you'll get it later. Uh, on January the 7th. But um, we struggle with it, right? Total commitment is hard. And that's what being all in means. And for the Christian, here's what I mean about us as a church. And as If you're a believer this morning, what it means to be all in, it means being totally committed to both being and making fully devoted followers of Jesus. I believe that people are created for God's glory. I believe that you and I exist for him and not simply for ourselves. And I believe God has designed each person in this room with a very distinct purpose and calling, and that is for his glory. And the chief way we glorify God, according to the scriptures, the best I can see, is by first being a disciple of Jesus Christ, and second, making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's not that there's nothing else involved in glorifying God. That's the two chief ways. First, we've got to, be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And secondly, we've got to commit to being a part of the process of making fully devoted followers of Jesus. And that's what a disciple is, a fully devoted follower of Jesus. We say it this way here a lot of times, trusting and following Jesus. That's why I say we want to help people trust and follow Jesus. And we need to fully embrace both being that in 2018 and also reproducing that individually and as a church. I personally want to be more committed here. I had to point the finger at myself this morning and just tell you I need to be more committed to my own personal spiritual growth and both reaching and maturing people in Christ and in the Word and I think probably if you got real honest you could be more committed in those areas as well we all could now there's no better place in the scriptures that I could find for us to recenter ourselves on God's purpose for us than Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20 now, it's been several years since we've looked at this passage together so we're going to do that this morning and that's where we find what we call the Great Commission so look with me in Matthew 28 Verses 16 through 20, that's where we're going to part this morning. Let me read to you from the English Standard Version. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, <laughs> to the end of the age. I love the honesty that Matthew writes with here. Matthew 28. Notice they, they worshipped him, but but summed out. You know the, the Bible doesn't cover up the weird stuff like these people that show up. And while others are worshiping, they're they're doubting. What does that mean? In the Greek, it means they're hesitating or or wavering. Maybe they're struggling with this whole idea of so we're supposed to worship this man who we have seen to be God? We don't know, but there's this hesitancy there, but we get a picture of what it's supposed to be like, and it's full-hearted worship of Jesus. Now, I want you to notice the running theme of Matthew 28. And to be honest with you, I don't know that I fully noticed this in all my years of studying this passage. But over and over again, you see one word throughout the passage, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says he has all authority, right? Jesus says, I want you to go to all nations. Jesus says, I want you to teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And then he says, I'm with you always. Now, that word always in the Greek is actually two words, okay? And it literally means all days. And it's the Greek word pas, that's all. And so you see that word... All the way through this passage four times. And so Jesus says, I've got all authority. What's the limit to Jesus' authority? There is no limit to Jesus' authority. He says, I want you to go make disciples of all nations. What's the limit to the mission of the church? There is no limit to the mission of the church. He says, I want you to teach people to obey all that I've commanded. What's the limit to a disciple's obedience? There is no limit to a disciple's obedience. And he says, I'm going to be with you always. What's the limit to God's presence in your life? There is no limit. In fact, it literally means all days. That means hard days and long days, good days and bad days. The days you feel his presence and the days you can't feel anything. He says, if you're mine, I am with you. And when you step back and look at the Great Commission as a whole, you're struck by the all-encompassing nature of Jesus and his mission. That he rules all. That he's always with his people. That he wants us to take his gospel to all peoples. And he wants us and others to obey and teach others to obey all of his words. There's only one way to dive into that kind of purpose, and that is to be all in. It demands it. And I believe going all in on being a disciple and making disciples in this text requires three very basic things this year about the way we live our lives. Three choices we have to make. That's what I want to walk through with you this morning. The first choice we have to make is we have to choose to live in submission to Jesus' authority over us. Simple, right? We have to choose to live in submission to to Jesus' authority over us. He says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. He, s- he sets the stage with that. Because he's about to give a pretty difficult command. And then he's about to make a pretty incredible promise at the end of that command. It sounds kind of hard to believe. Unless this is true. So it's all built off this statement. All authority in heaven on earth has been given To me. So before he delivers the bottom line of what your life and my life is to be about and what the local church is to be about, he does so in the context of who he is and the power and authority he has. Your translation might even say all power has been given to me. But literally it means authoritative power. it's, It's not just about his strength, it's about his authority, about his sovereign right to rule the universe, right? The fact that he is king. Philippians 2, 9-11 says, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on Jesus the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. There is no limits to His authority. So we are to submit as followers of Christ, we are to submit to the authority of Christ. And sometimes that's easier said than done. But there's nothing there's nothing and there is no one that can escape the power and the authority of jesus and the great commission is not the dying wish of a now dead man the great commission is the sovereign command of one who has risen from the dead and conquered the grave and you should submit to jesus but you should also want to submit to jesus you should, you should know, as we read, our, read his word and we see his authority, it should make us know that we should do it, but it should also make us want to, when you look at it in Matthew, it's at the end of the book. It's at the end of the book. And if you're one of his disciples and you've been with him for three years, you've seen this guy, he'll sit, you've seen him raise the dead, you've seen him touch the lepers, you've seen him hang out with outcasts that nobody else would hang out with, eat dinner with people nobody else would eat dinner with. And then you've seen him die for your sins and rise from the dead. And then he looks at you and he says, now all authority has been given to me. And when you've seen what he's done, that doesn't terrify you. Authority in the wrong hands is a scary thing, but authority in the right hands is a a, a good thing. And Jesus has spent his ministry showing that it's a a good thing. And see, because who's in charge matters. Who has the authority matters over whether or not you're going to be willing to submit. If I left my three-year-old, soon-to-be three-year-old daughter, in charge of the house for a while she pretty much is in charge of the house but if I, if I actually committed to that uh, that would not be a winning success right? is she going to pay the bills is she going to care for her siblings is my 5 year old son going to respect her authority none of these things is likely in fact if, if, he's, if he's scared of something in the dark is her presence going to comfort him probably not Who's in charge matters. Authority matters. The identity of the person and their ability to, to be who they need to be. Jesus, being God in the flesh, being raised from the dead, showing his goodness and showing his greatness throughout the gospels matters as we come to this climactic end of the gospel, the Matthew's gospel, and he says, All authority has been given unto me. And Jesus' authority has ramifications for both being a disciple and making disciples. And part of, by the way, part of being a disciple is making a disciple. I don't mean to separate that in like some binary thing. But for the purposes of discussion today, it's good for us to look at, look at them separately. Now, in being a disciple, notice as he goes on to say that disciples are to be taught to obey all of his commands. Now, why would anybody want to obey Jesus? Only if he has the authority to be obeyed. And all authority in heaven and earth is his. It makes sense to obey him and to teach people to obey him. Either we believe. That Jesus is the risen Son of God. He's on the throne and in charge and exalted. And God, he's God in the flesh or we don't believe that. And if we believe it, that has massive life altering ramifications if we live it out. And it's also very free. You ever thought about it that way? The fact that Jesus is the one with all authority? <clears throat> that's free when you realize the weight of the world is in fact not on your shoulders. It's not. In fact, the world doesn't revolve around us. In fact, we're not the one that keeps things going. In fact, we're not the, the big deal that sometimes we think we are. In fact, there's someone else who's in ultimate control. That's a very freeing thing. And so it's a big part of being a disciple is understanding and submitting to Jesus being in authority, but it's also a big part of making disciples because it means he has the authority to assign the mission of the church and no one else gets to hijack the mission of the church. I don't get to define for you as your senior pastor. I don't get to define the mission of the church. It's not mine to define. Jesus lays out the mission of the church. He's the only one with the authority to do that. And it also means that when we go and do this mission, it means we go in His authority. And that's good news as well. This is why there are people... In other places where it's like illegal to share the gospel and people are having to meet in secret, that's why the church is multiplying and people are being saved and people are being baptized and people are being willing to be killed for their faith is because as the church takes this mission out, they do so in the authority of the one who has authority. And it goes forth. Here's the thing, much of this rest of this passage builds off that one single point. That all authority is Jesus' And much of being all in with Jesus in this year and any year and any day is first recognizing and choosing to live in submission to his authority. Now the second thing that's evident in this passage, and implicit I believe, is that we need to choose to live in sync with his purpose for us. We need to choose to live in sync with God's purpose for us. He says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So in verses 19 to 20, you get what the church is to be about, but you also get, because of that, what every Christian is to be about. And also, I believe it is implied here, what life in general is to be about for every person on the planet. If Jesus has all authority, and the one thing he's entrusted his church with is to replicate itself, to reproduce itself, is to turn other people into followers of Jesus, then the most important thing on earth for anybody must be what they do with Jesus. And whether they choose to follow him or not. There's two chief ways we glorify God on earth, as I mentioned earlier. right? Being and making disciples. Trusting and following Jesus and helping others do the same. Notice how Jesus breaks it down here. What it means to make disciples and even to be a disciple is defined right here. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism is the first act of obedience after salvation. We do that here. We do it by immersion. And we, somebody trusts in Jesus, and they get in the water, and we baptize them. We put them under the water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we bring them up out of the water. That's a good thing to do as well. And we, <laughs> we do that because it signifies. It's, a, it's First of all, it's obedience because Jesus told us to. But it signifies for them, for the church, and for all who see it, it signifies Their identity now with Jesus. When he says in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it literally means in allegiance to. It's showing who you're on sides with now. Right? In the air day, it was very clear. Is Caesar Lord or Jesus Lord? Who's your God? One of these false gods or the triune God? Well, they get baptized in allegiance to the Father, the Son, that's Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And they're showing, I'm with Jesus. He's with me. That's who I'm all in with. Right? I am trusting in Christ. It's a visible picture and painting, illustration, if you will, of our faith in Jesus. It's declaring that we've trusted Him. And we're identified that when He died, we died. And our old us died. And when He rose, we rose to walk in newness of life. That Jesus died in our place, that we're clinging to that. Jesus rose again and has given us new life and we're clinging to that. And so there's that picture of faith there where He says you need to be, you need to baptize them for those who become disciples, they need to be baptized. So There's a picture of trust. But he also says, teach them to obey. So one's like a, a one-time thing, and one is like an ongoing thing. He says, teach them to obey all that I've commanded. That's a continual, ongoing thing. I've been saved a long time. I'm still learning to obey all that he's commanded. If Jesus tarries and grants me life 30 years from now, I'll still be learning to obey all that He's commanded. And no long—how how long you have been a Christian? You're still learning to obey all that He's commanded. And we still need to be taught to obey all that He's commanded. That's the ongoing pattern of discipleship, spiritual growth in our life. And you can't live to God's glory without knowing and trusting Jesus as evidenced in baptism. And you can't become more and more like Jesus and you can't fully fulfill your God-given purpose without embracing your role also as a disciple maker. Now, if you're a non-Christian today, the very fact that the Son of God, the King of Kings, gives this command to His people shows what the God of the Bible, okay, which is what we believe to teach you, the God of the Bible, what His purpose for your life is according to the Bible. <clears throat> it's to trust and follow Jesus. You say, "What's well, God, God's will for my life? I want to know God's purpose for my life." The first step, the first thing, the main thing, is to know Jesus to trust Jesus, and to begin to follow Jesus. So living in sync with God's purpose for you, and being a disciple, first means you have to to trust Christ. If you never trust Christ, you have to trust Christ. And you get baptized showing that. Second, it means living in obedience to all of His Word, which is that progressive thing we talked about, growing in His Word. And that's not always easy. That's the painful part of the process. Even if you've been a believer a long time, you'll get to seasons in your life where God will take you through hard seasons and God will teach you hard things. And repentance is not always easy. Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's humbling. It should be humbling. And it's a lifelong process for the believer. I think it was Martin Luther that said all of the Christian life is Repentance. It is. It's an ongoing thing. It's not something you did when you were five in VBS or something you did when you were 30 and you started coming to church and got saved. It's something you, it's a posture, as we've said before, that you begin and you continue the rest of your life turning from sin, embracing Christ and His truth. Let me ask you, do you believe Jesus is Lord of your thought life this morning, believer? Do you believe Jesus is Lord of your bank account this morning? Your time? See, here's the thing. You will not obey God if you refuse to recognize and submit to the authority of Jesus that we talked about earlier in every area of life. Your family, your relationships. Do our actions reflect Jesus as Lord? See, when we're dividing out our life and deciding where to apply God's truth and where to invite Jesus in and where to ignore God's truth and to ignore Christ's lordship, we are refusing to address issues we know need addressing. address we're, we're out of sync with God's purpose for us. We're not being fully devoted followers in that moment. And he wants Christ followers. He wants us to be Christ followers. And part of that is obedience to Christ and his word. Here's how you know you're out of sync with God's purpose for you. One way. Are there parts of your life this morning? Areas of your life where you live like the gospels, not true. What do you mean? Was there areas of your life where you live like Jesus didn't die for that? Are there areas of your life where you live like Jesus didn't purchase you? Are there areas of your life, here's a big one, where you live like Jesus isn't the resurrected king over that area? Let me ask you, do you realize how much healing and restoration could take place in my life and your life in 2018 if we just recognize that Jesus Christ is the resurrected Lord over our mouths and say, help me, Lord, not to gossip our relationships? And would say, help me, Lord, to forgive people. Over our finances and we'd say help me Lord to become more generous. Or over our attitudes and we'd say help me Lord to be more patient, more kind. You get my point? My point is we have to address all of our issues head on. If we're going to obey all of His word, if we're going to be disciples, if we're going to be in sync with His purpose for us. That means wholehearted, all in obedience to Christ and His word and being willing to walk through and confront our own selves. It's easy to judge the sins of others. It's easy to nitpick the lives of others. It's easy to roll our eyes at others and to to look at others and go, well, I wouldn't do that. I can't believe it. But what you're first called to do is look on the inside and look at our own heart and hold ourselves accountable before God in His Word. And we can't become like Jesus, which is our chief calling in life, if we don't follow and obey Him. Can't do it. Nobody ever achieved Christ's likeness by disobeying Him constantly and ignoring His Word. That's not how it works. That's not the work of the Spirit in your life. The work of the Spirit is to connect you with the Word of God and to use that Word to sharpen and refine you to make you more like Christ as you obey that Word. But we also need to be in sync with God's purpose with making disciples, not just being a disciple. We need to be committed personally and corporately to God's mission. And that means reaching people and teaching people so that they trust and follow Jesus. And that requires time, energy, commitment, personally and corporately, to invest in others, to organize our schedules differently, corporately this means that the great commission and the command to go and make disciples is our chief filter in the church right so in other words our big decisions must be filtered through will this help us make disciples of Jesus now obviously the first thing we always do is are we obeying scripture or not but aside from that that's where we go that's the filter right and if you use the wrong filter in the church if other things get ahead of that filter You'll get a lot of things, but you might not get a church. And you might get the wrong thing altogether. I still like my coffee the old-fashioned way, right? I like the drip coffee maker, right? You can have your curry. I've got one. Don't care for it. Life likes it. Don't care for it. Tastes different to me. I want, I, want the, I want the smell and hear the drip coffee maker. I want the mess to clean up afterwards. I want to throw the old dirty filter away. I, I, I just, I just, I, I'm old school. I, I, that's just all I want, Right? But the important part of that part of the process of making coffee is the filter. You get the wrong size, or you forget to put the filter in, you know what you get? A mouthful of grains. You get something besides coffee, you get coffee grains. You don't get what you really wanted, and you don't get what you really want to drink there, unless you kind of like your coffee with pulp, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Churches, Churches have lots of decisions to make. Everyone's not going to agree on every decision we have to make. I don't agree with every decision we make. This ain't heaven. We hope it's a taste of it. That's the goal. But it ain't heaven. So we have to decide what's the filter. What's the filter? The chief filter is, of course, like I said, Scripture. But it's got to be making disciples because that's the one thing Jesus said we better do. So we better always ask ourselves, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do that, is it helped to help us make disciples. And it's my job, it's my job, and what God has called me to do, to help make sure we keep the boat going in that direction. And it's all of our jobs to row the boat. It's easy for us to criticize someone else for not rowing. It's easy for us to criticize somebody for rowing too fast, rowing too slow, right? Standing up and rowing instead of sitting down and rowing. Maybe they raise their hands when they row. I don't know. You know? It's easy for us to do that because we've all got our own way. We all have to row the boat a certain way. But the whole point is simply this roll the stinking boat. There's a destination that we're trying to get to. And it's to make disciples. We get in the boat and we say, Alright, let's go. So, say, well, I'll row fast. Well, I row slow. I don't care, just row. Right? Don't rock the boat. If you're rocking the boat, you're probably not rowing. That's just that's an old illustration, but it's true. It's what Jesus is saying here. He knows. He's leaving these guys. You read the Gospels? They're a little goofy. (laughs) Some of them seem worse than some of us. It encourages me. I'm like, you know, I feel like I've got a big mouth. Sometimes I put my foot in my mouth. Sometimes I'm this. Then I read and I see Peter. And I'm like, hey. (laughs) Jesus loves me too. Weird. Listen. (coughs) Jesus gave us a bottom line. He gave us a big idea to run after, to chase, and to embrace. And it's to reach to make disciples. And that's not just evangelism. The point is not to make decisions, it's to make disciples. It's yes, we want to see people come to know Jesus, and we want to see people mature in Christ. All nations, and that starts where we are, and it goes out. Our rallying cry is the gospel and making disciples of Jesus. That's, why we, that's what we unite around. That's our responsibility. And I want us to live in sync with God's purpose for us this year. And that means each believer embracing the call first to trust and follow Jesus in all areas of our life. To choose growth in 2018, to choose maturity, to choose repentance, to choose to recognize and submit to Jesus' authority in your life. And it also means we choose to invest our lives in reaching and teaching others. It also means that corporately we go all in and we have to re that every year. Every year we have to re that. Every day, really, we have to re that. Recommit to the right filter for the church. D.A. Carson said that we don't drift towards holiness. I think that's right. We also don't drift towards mission. We also don't drift towards disciple making. And we don't drift towards the right filter and mission for the church. The natural drift is always in it. It's always in it, Because we're human. We're human. And we have to choose to live in sync with God's purpose for us. We have to make the choice. We have to choose. I'm going to live in sync with God's purpose for me. And I'm going to embrace that corporately and individually. But there's a third thing. There's a third thing, and this is where, to me, the Great Commission just settles. He says, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We have to choose to live a life of his presence with us. Matthew begins his gospel with Jesus being called God with us, and he closes it showing us that he's still with us. Matthew 1.23, remember the passage, the virgin shall, shall conceive? And his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us us. Matthew opens with that and he bookends the very last verse and Jesus is with us. So that's the bookends. And the point is, he came. God is with us. He left, but he's still with us. He's still with us. He didn't abandon us. Remember how I said all of of this, all of the Great Commission is linked to the authority of Jesus. Think about this. If Jesus is not Lord, if he is not King, if he's not God, does this statement matter? And could it even be true? I mean, if he doesn't have all authority, if he's not God in the flesh, if he's not king of kings, he can't be with us. And it wouldn't matter if he was. Right? If I say to you, hey, go change the world and I'm always with you. you roll your eyes. You can't always be with me. And why would it matter if you were? In fact, it would be annoying. I don't want you with me all the time. (laughs) What does it even mean? But when the resurrected Christ who's defeated death, says, I have all authority and I will always be with you to the end of the age. Now that means something. Especially when you've seen him dead and you've seen him raised. It meant so much to these people that they were willing to die for the truth if they believed he's alive and he's God. And if anybody knew it was alive it would be them. Both the authority of Christ and the presence of Christ are keys to living as a disciple of Christ. The key to obeying Christ's word, as I mentioned, you have to believe He's the boss. But you also need to know and you need to trust in the fact and you need to lean on the fact that He's with you. The only reason the Christian life is possible to obey Jesus is because of the presence of Christ in our lives. It's the only way it's possible. It's impossible apart from Christ. Jesus said what? You can't do anything apart from me. John 15. Nothing. You need Jesus and I need Jesus to help us live victoriously, to help us live obediently. And the good news is that if you're a believer... You got it. You have him. He's with you. In fact, He's given you the Holy Spirit to indwell and empower you. And you're not only set free from your sin, you're empowered to walk in obedience. Right? Those are both good things. And we have to live, though, like this is true. I mean, sometimes you have to preach to yourself a little bit and remind yourself. Let me ask you. Do you parent? Do you work? Do you pray? Do you neighbor? Do you give? Do you spend? Do you talk? like Jesus is with you in every moment? Do you purposely rely on His presence? Do you consciously ask for His help? Someone told me years ago, God will never seem less real to you than when you are in sin or sinning. What does that mean? I think this is what it means. It's because it's it's then, at that moment, you're ignoring His presence in your life. You're not relying on it to get you through the temptation. You're not respecting it you're rebelling against it. Church, the mission we've been given to make disciples is only possible because He's with us. The Christian life we live is only possible because He's with us. The mission He's given us is only possible because He's with us. It's Jesus's church, and we're called to live out Jesus's mission and purpose. And the good news is, is He's with us as we do it. He's with us. He empowers us. And the presence, the presence of the authoritative Christ in our lives, should embolden us in our mission. To live, on, to live with purpose and it should also fill us with hope. In a broken world full of hurt and pain we've got the good news of Jesus and we have his presence with us as we go in his authority to share And that would be overwhelming if he wasn't with us. And it will remain overwhelming if we don't believe and hold to the fact that he is with us. We have to learn to treasure the presence of God in our lives. This Christmas um my five-year-old's favorite gift was a fake Apple Watch. Huh. He wanted an Apple Watch for Christmas. He actually went into it. and gave him like a catalog. Of circle toys you like. You know, just getting this. He circled. He found an Apple Watch in that thing and circled it. I'm like, That's key. I'm like, he's five. I'm not giving you an Apple Watch, right? But his grandparents, my parents, found this like fake. Apple Watch, or Christie found it, or whatever. And that's what they, it's like a little toy watch. And it, man, it it, it plays games, and it records videos, and it takes pictures. And and he's so tiny, and it's so big, it looks like he's wearing a tracker, right? It looks like he's, like, under house arrest. Um, (laughs) Hopefully that's no, you know, prophecy there. But it it, it looks like, right, that we're trying to keep track of him. But he loves that thing, he always knows where it's at. And he always wants to wear it We Can't let him sleep in it, because he'd never sleep. But I mean, he's the whole way home, right? He's you know he's taking pictures and he's got pictures of chickens and I don't know what all that thing. I don't know where, where he's been, right? He's like on all adventures all around the world. He's got all these strange pictures and uh, you know pictures of people's foreheads and chins and, and you know his own head. And, but he loves it. He, and he, he always knows where it's at and he's always playing with it every day. It's on his wrist and I'm like it's his favorite given thing. The one we got him, right? But let's give it a few weeks or a month. There's coming a day where I'm gonna lean over behind his bed and pile under some probably, you know, melted chocolate or something. There's gonna be there there's gonna be this watch rammed, you know, between his bedpost and the corner of the wall that he's forgotten all about. It's still gonna be there. But he's not gonna care too much about it anymore. If batteries are gonna go dead or whatever. I'm actually rechargeable, We'll probably lose it, And he's just gonna like. In some ways, he's not going to care about it anymore. That's the way kids are with toys, right? I mean, there's already things they got at Christmas that they're like, eh. Now, Jesus is no toy. He's no trinket. But my fear is like a little immature child We are prone to stop living in the light of His presence. That it no longer wows us. It no longer enamors us. It no longer excites us. us. It's just very mundane. Ho-hum. Yeah, He's with us. We get it, preacher. We've heard that one before. It no longer shakes us. It no longer wakens us up. It no longer excites us. And it no longer emboldens us to live for Jesus and to make disciples. We've got to learn to live in light of the presence of Jesus every day. Now maybe this morning... You've never went all in with the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Because you've never crossed the line of faith. You've never truly trusted Jesus. You've never truly believed that you're a sinner, like all of us are, designed in God's image, made for God's glory, but fallen and broken. And that your only hope of being made new and being restored to right relationship with God is Jesus, died in the place on on the cross for your sins and that he rose in victory over sin, death, and hell and rose again. And you've never repented, turned from your sin and just embraced Christ as Lord and Savior. Some of you have never done that. So you've never went all in with the gospel. And maybe you've made decisions but never become a disciple, never fully devoted to Christ. Salvation means going all in. It means you give all you know of you to all you know of Jesus. Have you done that? What a great way to kick off 2018 to trust jesus with all your heart or maybe you're a believer maybe you've done that but maybe you've not taken that first step of obedience and been baptized we'd love to celebrate that with you but maybe this morning believer you need to recenter your life like we all do from time to time you need to repent of not being all in with Jesus. We act like that's a bad word. It's not. It's just God's calling us back to His goodness, back to His faithfulness, back into a good, healthy relationship with Him. It's, it's Him calling us away from hurting and harming ourselves. It's, it's to come back. Maybe you need to come back and submit to the authority of Christ and live in sync with God's design purpose for you. Maybe you've been neglecting His presence. Let the day be a day you start fresh. He's here. He's here. Today's a day you can start fresh. in church. Let's make sure that 2018 gets our best given to God. Let's commit to being a disciple-making church. Let's commit to reaching people. Let's commit to making sure we've got the right filter in place. That we are fully devoted to making fully devoted followers.